Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. lived a handsome prince. He was attended by devoted servants. Do you think perhaps just once I might use the bathroom by myself? Most amusing, sir. Wipers! And engaged by royal decree. Why? Why can't I find my own wife? We've gone to a great deal of trouble to select for you a very fine wife. I want a woman that's going to arouse my intellect as well as my loins. Where will you find such a woman? In America. So he traveled across the sea to the land of opportunity, which is where the fairy tale ends and our story begins. Behold, Simi! Life! Real life! A thing that we have been denied for far too long! We're in New York now! Let us dress as New Yorkers! I feel like a complete idiot. Have either of you ever had any fast food work experience before? Certainly not. This will be our first job in the United States. I am Akeem. It's nice to meet you, Akeem. I have recently been placed in charge of garbage. That's good to know. Oh my goodness, it is you! Greetings, your highness! Who was that? Eddie Murphy. Just the man I met in the restroom. Arsidio Hall. Ah! In a comedy fable of royal romance. When I look at these contestants for the Miss Black Awareness pageant, I feel good. Apparently, these are the best women Queens has to offer. Pick one and let's go home. I want to tear you apart. And your friend, too. Coming to America. Sir, I was wondering, did you happen to catch the professional football contest on television last night? No, I didn't. Oh, it was most exhilarating. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. And in the end, the Giants triumphed by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. It was a most ripping victory. Son? Yes. You want to keep working here? Stay off the drugs. Yes. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Coming to America from 1988. The studio was Paramount Pictures. The release date was June 29, 1988. The running time, 117 minutes, and it was rated R. The budget, $36 million. The box office took in $128 million, making it the third-ranked movie of 1988. Rotten Tomatoes gives the movie 72% fresh from 54 reviews. Their consensus is Eddie Murphy was in full control at this point, starkly evident in Coming to America's John Landis's coasting direction. As always, Rotten Tomatoes is a mouthful. Ugh. Now for me, Coming to America would be the pinnacle of Eddie Murphy's film career. Murphy was one of the biggest stars of the 1980s, whether it be a stand-up comedy career, his stint on Saturday Night Live, or the film's 48 Hours, Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop, and its sequel. Even The Golden Child was a success at the box office, though not nearly as good as the aforementioned films. 
Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So Eddie Murphy reached out to director John Landis about his idea for a movie, which according to Landis was essentially Cinderella, except instead of Cinderella, it's an African prince who comes to America to find his queen. Murphy really wanted to do something that was outside of his Eddie Murphy persona that he had built up with SNL and his previous films. What was really unique about Coming to America is that it's one of the first all-black fairy tales released as a big-budget film. The popularity of Eddie Murphy, and this film in particular, really opened the doors for the future of big-budget all-black films. Murphy and Landis had a meeting with Paramount, and they asked if they could have the film in theaters by the summer of 1988. And Landis said no matter what, he was going to say yes in order to get the film going. It also didn't hurt that Eddie Murphy was one of the top box office draws at the time. So Murphy had about 25 pages written in what he called The Quest, but it was only for the beginning scenes in Africa. He knew the location in America had to be Queens, and that was about it. Screenwriters David Sheffield and Barry Blostein then took Murphy's basic ideas and wrote an actual screenplay around it. Now Murphy had worked with those particular writers going back to his days at Saturday Night Live. The name of the fictional African country was named after comedy writer Bob Zamuda who was known for his work with comedian Andy Kaufman. Landis then tweaked the name of the country to be Zamunda, he added the N, and that's what stuck. During the principal photography, the naming of the film Coming to America was proposed by Landis, who asked Niall Rogers to come up with a theme song of the same title, which was going to be the end credits theme. From there, the title of the movie essentially became locked in. Rogers did the entire score for the film. If you don't know who Niles Rogers is, well, he's one of the most successful producers of the last 40 years, not to mention being a musician himself and the band Chic. Rogers decided that the score should be a mix of traditional African music, mixed with the classical and some modern urban musical elements. Landis and Murphy had worked together on Trading Places, which was early in Eddie's career. It was only his second film. But by 1987, Murphy was a superstar, and not as happy and joyful and humble, at least according to Landis, as he was when he was starting out. Now look, this is not a really unusual tale about stardom. Landis said Murphy came up to him during the filming of Coming to America and said that Landis treated him, meaning Murphy, like he treats everyone else, basically insinuating that Murphy should be on a higher pedestal because he is a star after all. According to Murphy, he felt that Landis was still treating him like a young actor instead of an established veteran, and that Landis didn't trust Murphy's instincts enough. However, even with the friction, the performances from Murphy are arguably some of the best of his film career, which says something about being a professional for both Murphy and Landis. And at the end of the day, it's about the final product that the audience sees, not the behind-the-scenes friction. Now, Landis was one of the top comedic directors of the late 1970s and into the 80s, directing films like The Kentucky Fried Movie, Animal House, The Blues Brothers, An American Werewolf in London, Trading Places, Spies Like Us, and The Three Amigos. He also directed one of the greatest music videos of all time, which was Michael Jackson's Thriller. But in 1987, he was going through legal issues due to the tragic helicopter accident during the filming of the Twilight Zone movie, in which actor Vic Morrow and two children who were extras in the film were killed. The lawsuit brought up that Landis was negligent in the filming of the helicopter scene and the proper safety measures were not taken, which led to the deaths of the three people. In addition, Landis did not adhere to the child labor laws for the two young children, which were aged six and seven. Landis and four others on the film were charged with involuntary manslaughter. And Landis and the others were acquitted in 1987 after a nine-month trial. But Landis would always be tagged with this incident for the rest of his career. 
Now, Landis had worked with Arsenio Hall previously on the cult comedy classic Amazon Women on the Moon, which we covered a few weeks ago. Hall was best known as a stand-up comic, really more than an actor. He was also good friends with Eddie Murphy, which is why he had such a large part in coming to America. Now, I don't think the studios would have given an unknown actor such a large part without the influence of Murphy. But Murphy's instincts were totally spot on because Arsenio Hall is terrific in this film. And all the characters he did were as brilliant as Murphy's, in my opinion. Now, what's interesting is after coming to America, Hall really didn't do much more film work. And he's still best known for his popular late night talk show in the early 1990s rather than his film career. To play the king of Samunda, Landis' first choice was the great Sidney Poitier. Landis went to Poitier's agent, but he wanted so much money to play the part that the budget couldn't support it. Landis said later that he talked to Poitier years later, and Poitier said he would have definitely taken the role, and that Landis should have reached out directly to him instead of the agent. Now, as great as Sidney Poitier always was, it's really hard to dispute the performance given by James Earl Jones as the king. Jones was an easy choice for the part after Poitier, since Jones had the exact type of regal tone and aura about him needed for the role. Jones was actually performing on Broadway at the time, and Landis sent him the script, and Jones initially wanted to play the role of Cleo McDowell, not the King of Zumunda, because he actually felt the McDowell part was better. But Landis and the screenwriters pitched to Jones that his persona fit the vibe of the King much better, and they were correct. The screenwriter said Jones had a great line from their initial phone call where Jones said that they knew a great deal about Queens, but they didn't know a goddamn thing about Africa. <laughs> And yes, those were his words, and imagine it being said with his great voice, and it would be even funnier. So like the casting of Arsenio Hall, Madge St. Clair wasn't as well-known as James Earl Jones, but she had the same regalness to play the part of the Queen. Sinclair was a veteran actress born in Jamaica. She appeared in high-profile TV roles since the early 1970s, including the incredibly popular miniseries Roots. Sinclair sadly died at the age of 57 in 1995 after a long battle with leukemia. John Landis wanted an unknown actress to play the part of Lisa McDowell. It was between singer and actress Vanessa Williams and Sherry Headley. Headley had small TV roles at the time on shows like The Cosby Show, Miami Vice, Quantum Leap, and Matlock. The studio wanted Vanessa Williams, but Eddie Murphy and John Landis were leaning towards Headley due to her vulnerability. The theory being, someone like Williams, who won a Miss America pageant a few years prior, wouldn't be too dejected about losing out on a prince. Coming to America would be Headley's big break, and frankly her best known role, but she still continues to appear on film and television today. Landis said the role of Cleo McDowell was tough to fill, but was really pleased that John Amos auditioned for the role because he was perfect. Amos at the time was best known as the father on the hit TV show Good Times from the mid-1970s. He also played the adult version of Kunta Kinte in the miniseries Roots. And funny enough, Amos was the manager of a McDonald's prior to becoming an actor. Now, the McDowell's jokes were a long shot for the screenwriters, believing that the actual McDonald's Corporation would never agree to allow them the parody because they own everything that is Mick. However, to everyone's surprise, McDonald's did agree, knowing it was free publicity and the fact that the character in the film was really trying to copy the real McDonald's. Their only request was that when the holdup scene occurred in the film with Samuel L. Jackson, that the money not be put into a logoed bag, but a plain bag. Well, that's easy, no problem, and the joke was included in the film. 
So the McDowell's restaurant in the film was actually a Wendy's that was made over for the film. However, a franchise owner down the street of a real McDonald's came by Wendy's, now it was McDowell's, and threatened to shut them down because he had no idea it was for a movie. Everything was eventually smoothed over once a franchise owner called McDonald's corporate. Okay, let's get into the film. So it opens in Africa, specifically in the fictional country of Zamunda. After a terrific view, which looks like a matte painting, we are taken to the enormous palace of the Jofars, who rule Zamunda. Every morning, Prince Akeem, that's Eddie Murphy, is awakened by a small live symphony playing in his bedroom, along with three beautiful women who work in the palace. This particular morning is Akeem's 21st birthday. The three women walk ahead of Akeem, throwing flower petals in the path, along with bathing him. Yes, every excess you can imagine, Prince Akeem has. Oh, it is my 21st birthday. Do you think perhaps just once I might use the bathroom by myself? Most amusing, sir. Wipers! The royal penis is clean, your highness. Now, Akeem does absolutely nothing for himself, including brushing his teeth. An assistant follows him everywhere. Akeem has breakfast with his parents, the king, James Earl Jones, and the queen, Madge St. Clair. And they sit at a ridiculously long dining table where he can barely see them, as they need to use a conference call box to communicate. He certainly is quiet this morning. He looks sad. Is something troubling you, my son? No, father. Son, please. I am more than the exalted ruler of this land and the master of all I survey. I'm also a concerned dad. Well, father. Just a moment. What is he doing? It looks as if he's coming down here to talk to us. Wait right there, Akeem. Rosebetters! Akeem, come sit. Now, my son, you've grown a mustache. As you can tell from the last clip, there's a distance between Akeem and his parents, not just literally, but emotionally. Akeem would like to do things for himself, including picking his own wife, not an arranged marriage, which is the custom of his country. We then meet Akeem's best friend, Semi, played by Arsenio Hall, who appears like Eddie Haskell from Leave it to Beaver, always sucking up to the king and queen. Akeem and Semi partake in their daily workout. Now let's see if you can defend yourself, you sweat from a baboon's balls. So you say you can have a woman who'll obey your every command. But you'd rather have a woman who has an opinion? Only dogs are to obey. If you truly love your wife, you will value her opinion. Hippopotamus shit! You're the heir to the throne of Zamunda. Your wife need only have a pretty face, a firm backside, and beak breasts like cassava melons.
So you would share your bed and your fortune with a beautiful fool. That is the way it has always been with men of power. It is tradition. It is also tradition that times must and always do change, my friend. Akeem's birthday is like a national holiday, as thousands are in attendance to celebrate. This is also the night where Akeem will meet his arranged bride-to-be. After an impressive choreographed dance of around 50 dancers, we meet Amani Izzy, played by Vanessa Bell Calloway, the woman Akeem is to marry. She's your queen to be, a queen to be forever, a queen who'll do whatever his highness desires. She's your queen to be, a vision of perfection, an object of affection to quench your royal fire, completely free from infection, to be used at your discretion. Waiting only for your direction, your queen to be. May I talk to you alone for a moment, please? Excuse us. For a moment. Am I not all you dreamed I would be? Oh, you're fine. Beautiful. It's just that if we're going to be married, I thought we should talk to each other, get to know each other. Ever since I was born, I've been trained to serve you. Yes, I know this. But I would like to know about you. What do you like to do? Whatever you like. <laughs> what kind of music do you like? Whatever kind of music you like. Look, I know what I like. And I know you know what I like because you were trained to know what I like. But I would like to know what you like. For instance, do you have a favorite food? Yes. Good! What is your favorite food? Whatever food you like. This is impossible. Listen, from this moment on, I command you not to obey me. No. Are you saying that no matter what I tell you to do, you will do? Yes, Your Highness. Anything I say you do? Yes, Your Highness. Bark like a dog. A big dog. Woof, 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 woof. Hop on one leg. Woof, 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 woof. Make a noise like an orangutan. Ah! I see the two of you are getting along. Excuse me, Imani, for a moment. 
girl, isn't she? I told you not to worry. Father. About this wedding. <coughs> the guests are waiting, Your Majesty. Let them wait! I'm talking to my son. Come, let's go for a stroll. Hello, Babar. Time does fly fast, my son. It seems only yesterday I ordered your first diaper changed, and now you're a man who's about to be married. She will give you much pleasure, don't you think? I am not sure if I am ready. Son, I know we never had to talk about this, but I always assumed that you had sex with your bathers. I know I do. It's not that, father. It's just that I'm 21 years old, and I have never left Zemunda. I have yet to experience what the outside world has to offer. Ah, so you want to sow your royal oats? No, it's not that. It's You're right. Get out, see the world, enjoy yourself, fulfill every erotic desire, and in 40 days, you will come back and marry Yemani. But father... It is settled. May I have your attention, please? The wedding will proceed in 40 days. You may go home now. Good night. Oha, prepare the royal baggage. My son is going on a trip. Prepare the royal baggage! By the way, the choreographed dance scene prior to Akeem meeting Amani was created by Paula Abdul. Yes, that Paula Abdul. She was best known, of course, for her dance choreography prior to becoming a pop singer. And the music was written by Nell Rogers. Also, the hilarious song that is sung by the actor Paul Bates was all improvised by him. It was essentially his original audition, and then they fit it into the film perfectly. So the king is allowing... Akeem to sow his wild oats for 45 days, and then he must come back to Zamunda and marry his arranged bride. As Semi puts it, it's 40 days of fornication. <laughs> but Akeem has other plans. He decides that America is the place to go to find a bride with a mind of her own. But where in America? The land is so big. The choice is so infinite. Where shall we go? Los Angeles or New York? We will let fate decide. Here's New York, tails Los Angeles. We go to New York. But where in New York can one find a woman with grace, elegance, taste, and culture? A woman suitable for a king? Queens. White courtesy telephone.
Remember, Simi, no one here can know I am royalty. You must appear to be no different than the average man. I will not say a word. British Airways flight 929 Of course, right? Queens, New York, must be awesome. Well, Akeem and Semi meet their first New Yorker, a cab driver, played by Jake Steinfeld. Once. You sure you guys want to go to Queens? A couple rich fellas like you should be in Manhattan. Say the Waldorf or the palace. The palace sounds good. Take us there. No, I want Queens. And we're not rich. We're ordinary African students. Whatever you say, pal. What part of Queens you want? Take us to the most common part. That's easy. There's one thing Queens has got a lot of. It's common parts. What does dumb fuck mean? (laughs) Akeem will quickly begin to learn the colorful language of Americans, and New Yorkers specifically. The cab driver drops him off in Queens. Akeem is fascinated with everything he sees, while Semi is horrified by the obvious squalor of the place, especially compared to the luxury they lived in in Zumunda. But Akeem is fascinated by hearing the talk of real Americans coming from a local barbershop. Fascinating. Simi, look at this. America is great indeed. Imagine a country so free, one can throw glass on the streets. You must be out of your goddamn mind. You crazy? You crazy? I am not crazy. Listen. Real Americans. Powerful pound, Sugar Ray Robinson, the greatest fighter ever lived. Oh, come on, man. What about Joe Lewis? The blonde bomber. Now, that was a great boxer. You damn right. I suppose nobody in here ever heard of Cassius Clay. We got a point. Cassius Clay was a bad motherfucker. Hey, I ain't saying Clay ain't bad. I'm just saying I stopped liking Cassius Clay once he changed his name to Muhammad Ali. What kind of shit is that? Wait a second. Wait a second. A man has the right to change his name to whatever he wants to change it to. And if a man wants to be called Muhammad Ali, God damn it, this is a free country. You should respect his wishes and call the man Muhammad Ali. His mama named Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. Mm-hmm. That's right. I say Clay. Get out of here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He going to always be Clay to me. I don't give a fuck what chain name to. He is Clay. He Clay to me. I say Clay. Well, then you're a putz. The three of you. Three putzes. You should change the name outside from Mighty Shop to the Three Putzes. <laughs> the back and forth of the old men in the barbershop are both Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall playing different characters with this amazing makeup and prosthetics, which were done by special effects master Rick Baker. Obviously, the success of these scenes led to Murphy to do the same thing in The Netty Professor eight years later. And if you watch the barbershop scene again, that kid Eddie is giving a haircut to is a very young Cuba Gooding Jr. Akeem and Semi decide to rent an apartment next door to the barbershop. Frankie Faison, who plays the building landlord, is just hilarious. I want to see him fight. Okay, now what the fuck do you want? We desire a room. You better not be wasting my time. You got money. 
<laughs> Come on in, gentlemen. Excuse me if I was brusque, but sometimes we get boo-boos in here without a dollar to their name. But obviously you gentlemen came in on another boat. We seek meager accommodations. Excuse me? We require a room that is very poor. Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Are you conscious? Shoot him and the same damn thing. All right, here we are. There's only one bathroom on this floor, so you're gonna have to share it. A little bit of an insect problem, but you boys from Africa, you're used to that. And another thing, don't use the elevator, it's a death trap. Now, this is the place that I was telling you about. It's real fucked up. Got just one window facing a brick wall. Used to rent it to a blind man. Damn shame what they did to that dog. We will take the room. Yes. A thing that we have been denied for far too long. Good morning, my neighbors! Hey, fuck you! Yes! Yes! Fuck you, too! Yeah, I feel that old fool out there, I'm beginning to suspect that these are the people that have stolen our luggage. Yo, you want to buy some toothbrushes, man? This is some real fly personal hygiene equipment I got here, man. And I got a hell of a hairdryer over here, too. Check it out. Thief! Stop, thief! Come back, thief! Simmy, Simmy, let him go. But those things belong to us. Yeah, we're well rid of those material things. Let them wear our princely robes. We're in New York now. Let us dress as New Yorkers. You know what I'm saying? Bet. You know I know what's real. But they don't know that you know I know the deal. Back I feel like a complete idiot. Oh, do not be ridiculous. So the all-new wardrobe includes a New York Mets bomber jacket, jeans, hats, beanies, and winter scarves. After purchasing their new outfits, they go to an electronics store with TVs in the windows, and they see the greatest commercial ever for the hair product, Soul Glow. Well, it's the greatest jingle ever, at least. Just let your soul glow. Just let it shine through. Just let your soul glow. 
So that Soul Glow jingle was written by Niles Rogers, and those amazing high-pitched vocals are from Christopher Max. I'd love to hear King Diamond or Rob Halford cover this song. <laughs> After seeing the commercial of the Jerry Curl oil, Akeem decides it's time to cut his royal ponytail. You must be out of your goddamn mind. Joe Lewis, the greatest boxer ever lived. I'll be with you boys in a minute. He was bad in Captain Clay. He bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that. Who that? You, the new boy here. Mike, Mike Tyson looked like a bulldog. He bad in him too. He done whipped Mike Tyson's ass. He whipped all the asses. What about Rocky Marciano? Oh, there they go. There they go. Every time I start talking about boxing, a white man got to pull Rocky Marciano out their ass. That's the one. That's the one. Rocky Marciano. Rocky Marciano. Let me tell you something wonderful. Rocky Marciano was good. But compared to Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano ain't shit. He bit Joe Lewis's ass. That's right. He did whoop Joe Lewis's ass. Joe Lewis was 75 years old when he fought. I don't know how old he was, but he got his ass whooped. Joe Lewis had come out of retirement to fight Rocky Marciano. The man was 76 years old. Joe Lewis always lied about his age. He lied about his age all the time. One time, Frank Sinatra comes out here and sat down in this chair. And I said, Frank, you hang out with Joe Lewis. Just between me and you, how old is Joe Lewis? You know what Frank told me? He said, hey, Joe Lewis, 137 years old. 137 years old. Oh, man, you ain't never meet no Frank Sinatra. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? God damn, boy, what's that, some kind of weave or something? It is my natural hair. I have been growing it since birth. Oh shit, what kind of chemical you got in there? I have put no chemicals, only juices and berries. <laughs> shit, that ain't nothing but ultra firm. Tell me how you want me to cut this. Just make it nice and neat. That'd be $8. Ah, remember the days of an $8 haircut? Well, Joe Lewis was 75 years old when he fought Rocky Marciano. <laughs> After the haircut, it's off to find Akeem's queen. First, at a local nightclub. Got a secret. I worship the devil. See, that's the problem. I can't find a man that can satisfy me. Now, some guys go an hour, hour and a half. That's it. A man's got to put in overtime for me to get off. I'm not interested in a man unless he drives a BMW. Yeah, well, you know, baby, I'm almost single. My husband's on death row. This is the first date Teresa and I have been on since the doctor separated us. I'm into the group thing. I was Joan of Arc in my former life. My name is Jesus, and I'm the best. All the DJs want to feel my breath. It up, 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 it
yeah, I want to work in videos, but really I want to be my own star in the videos because I want to become a pop singer and a rock singer and write my own songs, produce my own songs. And then I want to try an actress because people tell me how talented I am. I'm a natural and stuff like that. So then I'm going to write my own stories and direct my own stories and, you know, produce the movies I'm doing. You don't mind me coming over and sitting down. But I've been watching you all evening. And I want to tear you apart. And your friend, too. <laughs> that last prospect was played by Arsenio Hall. Dejected by their bar experience, the guys run into Clarence, the barber, who tells them to join him at church for a community rally where they can find nice women. This leads to another memorable scene with the Reverend Brown hosting a bikini pageant, along with Randy Watson and his band, Sexual Chocolate. <laughs> By the way, Arsenio Hall's father was a preacher in real life, so the Reverend Brown's character likely comes from an honest place. You know, I didn't come here to preach to you today. But you know, when I look at these contestants... For the Miss Black Awareness pageant, I feel good. I feel good because I know there's a God somewhere. There's a God somewhere. Turn around, ladies, for me, please. You know there's a God who sits on high and looks down low. Man cannot make it like this. Larry Flint, Hugh Hefner, they can take the picture, but they can't make it. Only God above, the Hugh Hefner on high, can make it for you. Apparently, these are the best women Queens has to offer. Pick one and let's go home. You can call his name. Be patient, my Lord, friend. Lord, Lord, do you love him? Do you feel joy? Say joy. 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 Can I get a amen? Don't be ashamed to call his name. Yes, Lord. Only God can give that woman the kind of joy she has right there. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I am very happy to be here. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Can I get an amen? Yes. <laughs> I don't know what you come to do, but I come to praise the name. Lord, Lord. Girls, you can, you can leave now. Thank you very much. There's a guard somewhere. I got a special treat for you this evening. A young man that you all know is Joe the Policeman from the What's Going Down episode of That's My Mama. I want you to put your hands together and welcome him to the stage. Big round of applause for Jackson Heights' own Mr. Randy. Watson, yes, Randy Watson. <laughs> that boy is good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. And Reverend Brown, we here for the Reverend. This man's been my Reverend since I was a little boy, and I love him dearly. You're a very special man, Reverend Brown. Reverend Brown. It feels so lovely to be here tonight. What a beautiful lot. Give yourselves a round of applause. You're so lovely. Everyone's so lovely. And um. While you're in the clapping mood, I'd like to give a big round of applause to my band, Sexual Chocolate. 
sexual chocolate. They play so fine, don't you agree? I believe the children are our future. Thank you. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride. Make it easier. Some of the good stuff, right? Coming up. Want a Coke? Join the show. <laughs> Enjoy, young man. I decided long ago never to walk in any one shadow. If I fail, if I succeed, you can't take away my dignity. Because the greatest love of all is inside of me. Sexy chocolate! Damn, that boy can sing. You must be crazy. He good. You must be crazy. Sexual chocolate! <laughs> After Randy Watson's amazing performance, one of the sponsors of the event is a local business called McDowell's, which is run by Cleo McDowell, played by John Amos. His oldest daughter, Lisa, played by Sherry Headley, comes on stage to ask for donations to help with the community's children. Now, Akeem is mesmerized by her graceful speech and her beauty. In order to meet her, Akeem decides to go to McDowell's, which is like a McDonald's, as I mentioned, and he applies for a job. All right, fellas, now your first job every morning would be to sweep this walkway. Then I want you to wash all the windows real good, too, and don't leave no streaks. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Get the hell out of here before I bust that camera. Look, me and the McDonald's people, we got this little misunderstanding. Hmm? See, they're McDonald's. I'm McDowell's. Huh? They got the golden arches. Mine is the Golden Arcs. <laughs> now, see, they got the Big Mac. I got the Big Mick. We both got two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, and onions. But they use a sesame seed bun. My buns have no seeds. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> now, you got them up the food prep area twice a day. You know how to mop. Oh, yes, of course. All right. There you go. Uh, don't use a bucket. It'll just confuse you. Now, uh, when you get through here, you take out the trash. Hmm? Yes. Come with me, I got an easy job for you.
Hello. Hi. I am Akeem. It's nice to meet you, Akeem. I have recently been placed in charge of garbage. Do you have any that requires disposal? No, it's totally empty. Well, when it fills up, don't be afraid to call me. I'll come take it out most urgently. That's good to know. When you think of garbage, think of Akeem. Well, um, I have to get back to my sanitation duties. Maybe we'll have a chance again to talk on a professional level. Goodbye, Akeem. Yes, more Soul Glow, because, you know, why not? The theme is played as Lisa's boyfriend, Daryl, played by Eric LaSalle, pulls up in his sports car. Now, Daryl loves his Soul Glow hair product. He's not just a customer, but he's also an owner. Well, his father is, at least. And this is why Cleo approves of Lisa dating Daryl, since it would put his daughter in a higher tax bracket. Daryl is incredibly arrogant and even takes credit for the large cash donation from the church gathering the night before, which actually came from Akeem. After work, Akeem decides to go to the barbershop and ask for some advice, which, of course, is always hilarious. Excuse me. Hey, it's Kunta Kente! <laughs> what can I do with you, boy? Can you make my hair look like this? Oh, man, what you want to make your hair look like that for? Well, I like the way your hair wearing natural. That's good, man. You know, I wish more of the young children today would wear their hair natural like Dr. Martin Luther King did. That's right. You ain't never seen Dr. Martin Luther King with no Mr. Jerry curl on his head. Ain't that right? Amen. Dr. King ain't come walk around like that. You know, sweet, I met Dr. Martin Luther King once. And you lying. You ain't never met Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah, I met Dr. Martin Luther King in 1962 in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm walking down the street, minding my own business, just walking off, feeling good. I walk around the corner, man woke up, hit me in my chest, right? I fall on the ground, right? And I look up, and Dr. Martin Luther King, I said, Dr. King! He said, oops, I thought you were somebody else. Oh, man, you lying. You ain't never met Martin Luther the King. Knocked the wind out of me. Yes, he did. No, it didn't. Yes, he did. No, he did not. Hey, boy, why are you so worried about how you look anyway? Well, I am trying to gain the interest of a certain young lady. I ain't never heard no woman giving no man no love just because his hair look good. That's right. Is this American girl? Yes. <laughs> you got to go through a papa. See, that's a big misconception. People don't know that about American women. Ain't got nothing to do with your hair or your pocket. You get in good with American woman's father, you in good with her. Ain't that right? He ain't lying. That's right. You get in good with the father, you home free. Mm-hmm. Home free. Like a bird. Akeem takes the vice of his elders and decides to talk to Cleo. Mr. McDowell. What is it? 
Sir, I was wondering, did you happen to catch the professional football contest on television last night? No, I didn't. Oh, it was most exhilarating. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. And in the end, the Giants triumphed by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. It was a most ripping victory. Son, I'm just going to tell you this one time. Yes, sir. You want to keep working here. Stay off the drugs. Yes, sir. Just say no. After talking to his co-worker Maurice, played by Louie Anderson, Akeem decides that he'll need to send expensive gifts to Lisa because Maurice said that only rich guys get the women, meaning Daryl, who lives off his father's fortune. So Akeem has a very nice pair of earrings delivered to Lisa, only with a note that says it's from an admirer, not Daryl. As we find out the next day, the earrings are more than nice. They're the price of a luxurious house back in 1988, over a half a million dollars. Lisa and her sister Patrice make small talk with Akeem at McDowell's that morning and invite him to the New York Knicks game. However, it's a double date with Lisa and Daryl, and Patrice gets very touchy with Akeem. Everything is fun and new for Akeem, until a few arena workers recognize Akeem as the Prince of Zumunda. In the face, right? I like this. Isn't that better? Yes, thank you very much. Wearing clothes must be a new experience for you. Are you able to follow the game, Akeem? Oh, yes! <laughs> I'm following the game quite well. What kind of games do y'all play in Africa? Chase the monkey. <laughs> uh, no, we play football. I believe you call it soccer. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Soccer. Well, that's a real cute sport. Especially the way y'all bounce that ball off your heads. <laughs> you know, personally, I don't like any sport where you don't use your hands. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. Will you excuse me for a moment, please? Excuse me. I'll be back in a minute. Stop bowing, please. I am a loyal citizen of Zamunda. Yes, but you're going to spill your beverages. This is the greatest day of my life. Yes, it was very nice meeting you too. <laughs> yes. Excuse me. <laughs> Come on, Kathy. We please, please, please. May I just have my picture taken with you?
I will cherish this experience for the rest of my life. The rest of my life. Who was that? Just the man I met in the restroom. <laughs> so while Daryl isn't impressed with Akeem, Lisa is very nice to him, but doesn't even consider him romantically. However, the next day at work, Akeem gets his chance to stand out a bit more. Sweetheart, why don't you quit this job? Because I like it here. Yeah, but you're my lady. My lady doesn't have to work. I'll take care of you. I'll get you anything you want. What can I get you? Nothing. I'll get you some coffee. I'll be right back. Okay. Hey, Akeem. So, did you have a good time with the game? Yes, I did. Thank you. I hope Daryl didn't offend you. Sometimes he can be pretty obnoxious. <laughs> well, he cannot help it. Sit down. Take a break for a minute. Oh, thank you. You know, you're a very unusual guy. I've never seen anybody take so much pride in mopping a floor. He who would learn to fly one day must first learn to stand and walk. One cannot fly into flying. That is not mine. That is Nietzsche's. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. Most of the guys who work here don't go around quoting Nietzsche. blow your fucking head off. What are you looking at, buddy? Come on! Stop stalling! Come on! Don't stall me! All of it! Come on, come on! Excuse me for a moment. It would be wise for you to put the weapon down. Who the fuck is this asshole? Please refrain from using any further obscenities in the presence of these people. What? I've warned you. I'll be forced to thrash you. Fuck you! Freeze, you diseased rhinoceros pizzle. Hey, fellas, I gotta tell you, I'm real proud of the job you did in there today. You know, we've been hit by that guy five times, but I got a feeling he won't be coming back, thanks to my African connection. <laughs> Say, leave Sunday night open. I'm having a little get-together in my house. You see, it is working. He has accepted us as equals. Now, as I mentioned earlier, that holdup man was none other than Samuel L. Jackson in a very early role for him. All the while during the incident, Daryl hit under the table. So while Akeem thinks he's making progress with Cleo, 
he finds out just how much so at the party they are invited to. Okay, fellas, just give them a ticket, take the keys, park the cars down the street. When you get finished, come inside and help out in the kitchen. Akeem, I want you to come with me. I want to show you the inside of McDowell's little castle. Well, this, this here is my show place. I think it pretty much speaks for itself. You know something, Akeem? When I was growing up, nine of us lived in a shack no bigger than this room. And look what I have today. I only wish Mrs. McDowell could have lived to see it. You have a fine house, sir. Oh, well, thank you. You know, in 20 or 30 years with hard work, maybe you could have a place like this for yourself. <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Well, this is where you're going to be working tonight. Ever open a champagne bottle? I have seen it done before. Good. Make sure you keep all the glasses full. I better get dressed for this party. Look around, make yourself comfortable till the guests arrive. Did you see? I love the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? I love the Lord. And if loving the Lord is wrong, I don't want to be right. Hey, Mike. Hey, good to see you. Glad you could make it. Enjoy, drink up, lots more with that cake. Hey, Randy. How's everything, buddy? Good to see you. Watch out for this guy. Big You know, uh, I can appreciate the way you handled that dude with the gun. I would have helped you out myself, uh, except... Well, I had a cup of coffee in my hand. You understand, right? I bet you learned all that stuff fighting lions and tigers and shit. Yes. Yes, where I'm from, we have to be very aggressive. You know, I'm all for that. Especially with women. You know, they may not admit it, but they all want a man to take charge. Tell them what to do. Now, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Daryl, I must tell you, your mother gets lovelier every time I see her. Uh, Cleo, I'd like to talk to you alone for a minute. Sure, Daryl. Excuse us. Mom, Dad, Grandma. Sure, son. You know, actually, I like the fries better at McDonald's, but I'd never tell Mr. McDowell that. <laughs> Hakeem, make sure everybody's glass is kept full. We're about to make a very special announcement. Yes, sir. Can I have everyone's attention, please. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Jenks, would you please join me? And Mother Jinx, you come up here, too. I've just heard some news that makes me a very happy man. Uh, Simmy, please. Champagne. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, go on, get, get out of here. Now, as you all know, 
Daryl and Lisa have been going together for quite some time. Well, I'm pleased to announce that just a few moments ago, Daryl here popped the big question. And Lisa happily accepted. So as it turns out, this has become an engagement party. Huh? <laughs> Amen, praise the Lord. <laughs> Married. To the bride and groom. To the bride and groom. To the bride and groom. I want you and that young man to tie that knot. I'm gonna pray for you. And I want you to hold on to God's unchanging hand because he helped Joshua fight the battle of Jericho. Yes. He helped Daniel get out the lion's den. He helped Gilligan get off the island. Lord. I want to talk to you now. Next time you and my father decide to get together to plan my life, I wish you'd let me in on it. It's not like... Don't touch me. But, baby, it's our engagement party. Thanks. Would you like some champagne? No, thanks. I really don't feel like celebrating. Wait. Sit down and keep me company. <laughs> if you're gonna hang out with me, you gotta loosen up, Akeem. Oh, I can be loose. See? <laughs> Much better. Are you all right? I'm fine. I'm just not going to be pressured into marriage, not by Daryl, or my father, or anybody. I understand completely. In my country, they arrange many marriages, and I don't feel anyone should get married out of obligation. You're right. I mean, how could I have even considered marrying a guy like Daryl? I wanted the same thing. He just made me so furious back there. You don't think I overreacted, do you? The first reaction is usually the correct one. You know, you're very easy to talk to. I feel like I could tell you anything. Hey, King, we need some more champagne over here. I almost forgot that I was here in a domestic capacity. <laughs> well... Thanks for listening to me, Akeem. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Lisa McDowell. Hey, be careful. I think my sister likes you. So one of the priceless visual gags from that last scene is when Daryl's parents and grandmother get up from the couch and they leave soul glow stains on the back of the couch from their saturated hair. 
By being a kind and good person to talk to, Akeem's plan to woo Lisa is slowly working. She even offers to cook him dinner. Akeem warns Lisa that his apartment is not very fancy, but she doesn't care. When Akeem arrives at the apartment with Lisa and groceries for dinner, he finds that Semi has redecorated the apartment and even bought a hot tub. Horrified that Lisa will see this new upscale furniture, Akeem quickly changes the plans and instead suggests that they go to a restaurant. While walking to dinner, we get a great Easter egg for fans of a prior Eddie Murphy film, that of course being Trading Places, because the Duke brothers from that film, Mortimer and Randolph, who are played by the great Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy, well, they're now homeless and living on the street, a far way down from their millionaire status just five years prior. Excuse me for a moment, please. What did you give him? Oh, I just gave him some pocket change. not talking to you. Look. Mortimer, we're back. To America. Why'd you come here? To find something special. It's an awfully long way to travel. No journey is too great when one finds what he seeks. Does everyone in Africa talk like you? Why do you not like it? No, I love it. It's nice to be with a man who knows how to express himself. Thank you! Thank you very much! Let's have lunch! (laughs) You have the most amazing effect on people. No, I don't. It's true. Look at that guy at the basketball game the other day. People love you. I bet where you're from, women practically throw themselves at your feet. Why do you say that? Because you have a a kind of inner glow, like you're above anything petty. It's almost regal. (laughs) So what'd you do back home? Back home, I was, I, I was in the family business back home. What's that? Uh, goat herding. <laughs> yes, yes. Really? Yes, does it surprise you? No, it's, it's just that you seem so educated. Well, the life of a goat herder is not that demanding. The goats pretty much take care of themselves, which leaves a man with a great deal of time to read. Please, let me. No, it's not right, I should say. Akeem, we should stop worrying about being poor. If I wanted a wealthy guy, I'd be with Daryl. Not you. 
you like to dance? Yes. Someone to care. Someone to share. Lonely hours and the moments of despair. To be I am not interested in Patrice. What about Daryl? I am not interested in Daryl either. So the temperature while filming the Duke Brothers scene was very cold, and Landis felt terrible that these classic veteran actors had to shoot in such poor weather, especially since they weren't young men. They were both in their 80s at the time. But both Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy were thrilled about their parts being revamped and couldn't have been better in that scene. After their first dance comes their first kiss. Akeem couldn't be happier. His plan is working. Semi, on the other hand... You actually want to send this? Why? What is wrong? Read it to me. To His Majesty King Joffrey Jaffer, the Royal Palace, Zamunda. Sire, Akeem and I have depleted our funds. Kindly send 300,000 American dollars immediately as we are in dire straits. Your humble servant, Semi. 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 Should I make it 400,000? You think that'd be enough? You are right. 500,000. As long as you're asking, why don't we go for a cool million? You do not think that would be too much? <laughs> and back to Akeem. Someone to kiss, someone to miss. When you're away, through here, gone each day. To be loved, to be loved. Wow, what a feeling. To be loved. Someone to be a king or a queen. Some wish for fortune and fame, but to be truly, 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 truly loved is more than all of these things. Wow! Someone to care, someone to share, lonely hours and moments of despair. To be loved, to be loved. Wow! What a feeling! Gotta love New York. When Akeem arrives home, he finds Semi and Patrice making out. This, of course, doesn't bother him, but now Patrice knows their secret. Well, sort of. Semi says that he's the prince and Akeem is his servant. Akeem talks to his landlord about temporarily staying in another apartment, and we get another gem from Frankie Faison. Come in. Hey, you boys wanted to see me? Yes, Mr. Townsend. We would like to change apartment. God damn, now what the hell are you boys done in here? Uh, my friend Simi has altered the apartment and um, we would like to exchange it for another. This stuff ain't hot, is it? Oh, of course not, sir. It's just that I'm going to bring a young lady up and I cannot let her see me living like this. I'll tell you what. I'm going to let you boys stay in my apartment and I'll move up here. Does your apartment look poor? 
Yeah, it's a real shithole. You'll love it. Here are the keys. It's apartment 1A. Downstairs, first floor. Thank you. You are too kind. Simi, move our things. However, to complicate things, Akeem's parents have arrived in New York. Akeem is, of course, unaware of this. Who in the hell is that? Hey, what's up, brother? You a little late for the Christmas pageant. <laughs> I'm King Joffrey Joffer, ruler of Zamunda. Yeah, we'll have a seat. Chair number two be ready in a second. This is beautiful. What is that, velvet? I have come for my son, Akeem. Come for who? You know, Kunta from up... Kunta. Oh, yeah, the boy upstairs. Oh, yeah, yeah, him. He around here someplace. He live upstairs on the fifth floor. Hey! Hey, who gonna clean up all these flowers? You may enter. You are not a king. I know that. What is this? A phonograph. What is this? McDowell's. It's a place over on Queens Boulevard. I think he works there. My son works? What is it now? I don't know. He moved downstairs. Apartment 1A. <laughs> <laughs> Majesty, what are you doing here? I received your telegram. What is Akeem? He went out. So how is your flight comfortable, I trust? Your only job was to look after Akeem. How could you let him come to such a pass? Akeem will not listen to me. He's gone quite mad, Your Majesty. Semi, you have disgraced yourself and you must be punished. You will confine yourself to our royal suite at the Waldorf Astoria. And see that he puts on some decent attire. And I want you to bathe him thoroughly. Oh, thank you, Your Majesty. All right, there's about 30 minutes left in the film. And for those that haven't seen the film, well, I can't just spoil the ending for you since you'll find out what happens with Akeem and his parents. Also, will Akeem end up with Lisa? Well, it's all answered, and of course, plenty more comedy. Now, Coming to America for me was Eddie Murphy's last truly great film. It was his comedy pinnacle, in my opinion. As much as I enjoyed some of his other films, like The Nutty Professor and Bowfinger, he never topped his films from the 80s, sadly. But what a run it was. As for the sequel, which went straight to Amazon Prime in 2021, I still haven't watched it. As I've said many times about sequels on this podcast, the window for them is short, and to film a sequel over 30 years later almost never works. So I'll stick with the terrific original, and I'm good with that. 
I realize there are exceptions to the rule. Of course, the latest Top Gun sequel, Ghostbusters, Afterlife, that was terrific. But for the most part, they're almost always like Blues Brothers 2000. All right, some fun facts. So the film was nominated for two Oscars, Best Costume Design and Best Makeup. Costume Design was awarded to Dangerous Liaisons and the Makeup to Beetlejuice. While Eddie Murphy did indeed come up with an idea of the story, Paramount was actually sued by writer Art Buckwald, who pitched a similar story idea back in 1982 to Paramount, and it was optioned. John Landis and Eddie Murphy were even attached to the treatment. However, nothing developed, and the idea was dropped in 1985. But then in 1987, after Murphy's story pitch, Paramount went ahead with Murphy's idea and left Buckwald out in the cold. Buckwald ended up winning a $900,000 settlement out of court. After the makeup and clothing was applied to for the Jewish character Saul, which Eddie Murphy played, he wanted to test the makeup and costume out. He got a golf cart and drove from one studio department to another in Paramount. He would get out of the cart and say in his regular voice, Hi, I'm Eddie Murphy, and no one believed him. <laughs> According to John Landis, it was his idea to have Eddie Murphy wear the makeup to play the Jewish man as sort of a payback for Jewish comedians wearing blackface in the early 1900s. Rick Baker based his makeup design for Saul on his father-in-law, Nestor Abascal. John Landis even cast Nestor as a body double for Eddie Murphy's Saul character. Nestor can be seen reflected in the mirror at the barbershop when Eddie Murphy is getting his haircut. So Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall revealed to Jimmy Kimmel in their appearance of his show in March of 2021 that Louie Anderson was cast in Coming to America as McDowell's employee Maurice only because the studio mandated that a white comedian appear in the film. Paramount even gave them a list of three white actors to choose from. Now, they chose Anderson because Murphy and Hall were fans of his stand-up comedy. They didn't reveal who the two other options were. Now, from earlier, I noted the tension between Murphy and Landis, and here's a bit more of Eddie's side. From an interview in Playboy magazine, Murphy said, yes, he'd done four fucked-up movies in a row, and I knew he spent a lot of money on his trial. I went to Paramount and said I wanted to use Landis, but they had reservations. His career was fucked up. But I said, I'm going to use Landis. I like the guy. I always used to say that the one fun experience I had with a director, and I've worked with a lot of directors that I've really liked, like Martin Brest and Walter Hill and Tony Scott, but it was with Landis because he plays around a lot on set, and I made Paramount hire him. In 2015, John Landis revealed that although he liked Coming to America, he felt the movie was slow, and he requested that Paramount allow him to produce a director's cut for the Blu-ray edition, which would have shortened the film to improve its pacing. But Paramount refused, saying that the original movie was too successful. Guess what? For once, I agree with the studio on a judgment call here. Following the film's success, CBS produced a pilot for a weekly sitcom spinoff. The pilot starred Tommy Davidson as Prince Tarek and Paul Bates as Oa. The pilot went unsold, but was televised on July 4th of 1989 as an episode of the CBS Summer Playhouse. Of course, Tommy Davidson was on In Living Color. All right, we have two special guests, the always hilarious Sarah perfect movie for her and then the great Sonny Pooney from the growing up rock podcast of course he's also on podcast rock city they both join me to discuss their love of coming to America and I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection well welcome back Sarah Ta-da. so I know you're a big Eddie Murphy fan because one you grew up in the 80s and two you have good oh taste so. I know and we, th- we were allowed to watch his stand-up yeah, so yeah. Raw. Now well, not Raw, but um, Delirious, Delirious was. And then yeah. Raw, though. That yeah. was the other one. The freaking loser. But Delirious was the one that everyone was renting because yes, he was, was in the like, red jumpsuit. Oh, my God. No, leather yeah. suit. Like, how was he not sweating his 
Oh yeah, balls off. But um, yeah, Eddie Murphy. I it, coming to America. What was that? And Arsenio Hall and his fingers. Did they get their own like credit listing? At the, did you ever notice <laughs> how he had like the longest fingers? No, you didn't notice that joke. He, there was like skits where people would play really? them. I think like in Living Color, and they would have these over <laughs> like fake fingers. He's got these really long, weird Anthony Robbins pants. Anyway, um, side note. So yeah, I loved. Uh, Eddie Murphy's the movie. What other movies where he was playing a bunch of different characters? Was a Mr. I think he did the Professor one. Like, well, Nutty Professor came out years later, but it right. really began was with, with uh, Coming to America because yeah, and, yeah. and Arsenio was playing a number of different characters right, right. Too. The Barbershop, and but the Barbershop is classic. Um, I'm thinking that people would probably want to cancel this movie though because they would somebody would find it offensive. Well, that's why the to, sequel supposedly sucks because they. It's they a can't safe. Be funny, they right? can't be funny. Anymore. They can't make fun of like Jerry Curl. Well, hair. that was the best part. The whole solo. Blow. Oh my god, that was like what Eric. Des- what was this? Eric Desal. Yeah, he was on like uh, ER or some weird shit. But what makes it is uh, you. James Earl Jones is his dad, I love him. and he's Darth great. Yeah. And then um, John Amos playing his oh my god. Uh, McDowell's. McDowell's. <laughs> I'm surprised that McDonald's didn't get like there wasn't an issue with that. Was there? They they liked they had to get the sign off. Oh, they did. But I think they liked the portrayal because it, it was it obviously was ripping off. But it McDonald's. was also they were like we're all like he was all Mr. Happy Happy yeah. franchise owner, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So going in, I'm obviously you're a fan from Saturday Night Live. Yes. You like Trading Places. You oh like God, 48 yeah. Hours, yes. Beverly Hills Cop. Loved all those. Yeah. You're Golden right. I Child. About those. Yeah. I forgot. Uh, I want the knife. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time it, is it, you would have probably seen this in the theater or no. You know what? I don't think I did. Really? It was an illegal cable box. <laughs> the scrambler. Right. Yeah. That was, you know, basically riding off of the, uh, you know, mm-hmm. HBO or something, but it was totally on the... So did you like this one as much as the other ones I mentioned? You know what? I think this was probably... No, this one is the one I saw the least amount of times. Really? You Why? I, Just because you were older? Uh, maybe I was older, but there was other ones I think that... Or maybe they didn't show it as much. Maybe... Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's funny. I wonder... I mean, I, I don't think I was as interested for some reason. Maybe it wasn't violent enough. Maybe it was like because it was too, like, you know, I still am not like a, like funny stuff doesn't intrigue well, me. Well, it is some romantic comedy. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm always like, <laughs> whatever, unrealistic, dumb. Well, it is a fairy. I mean, it is basically Wait, a fairy tale. Did this come out earlier, though? Than, I feel like it was. No, 88. 88? Okay. Because, yeah. um, yeah, uh, no. I'm trying to think if the other ones had any love story now. What it was about this one that I wasn't as... Well, that's why Beverly Hills Cop was kind of unique, because it really didn't. He had a female friend, but they right. didn't... I would say the only one... I guess the golden child, right? Kind of. Yeah. But yeah, he didn't have... Not, not in trading places. No. You no. know what? That's a good point. He, there was never any... Like, Dan Aykroyd had the love interest. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jamie Lee Jamie Curtis. Curtis. That's right. Um... Yeah, no, it's so funny. I don't even. I think it's because I like. I need some more like grit. Forty eight hours is fucking is hilarious. That actually would get canceled today. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah! But you know what? It's funny. It's like that was. I mean, people loved that movie, and the they two, do. And the two of them were constantly making like racist jokes to each oh, other yeah. in the movie, and yeah. people would be like crying about it now. Yeah. God, sticks and stones, aren't you, people. Aren't you glad you grew up in the eighties? Yes, yeah. it's like, come on now. Um, so yeah. what? Did, what did you like about? So you liked how he played liked, different people. I liked just you know what I liked and I didn't like how he was so naive. He's like, <laughs> where do we go? We go to Queens. That's where we get one. Right. Like, and uh, I did, you know, but I did like how there was like the reveal of how he had money, right? Right. And um, so you liked that he was, you know, worked at a McDonald's. Or, but I, or McDonald's. And I, you know what I loved, Arsenio Hall just being like, really. <laughs> <laughs> like having to, you know, like trying to be like we and he was just Eddie Murphy's all positive and mm-hmm. you know nice and whatever. But it was, um, 
and how he just barely escaped. He's like, oh, you know, like just getting hosed by people. He's just kind of right. so naive. Although if he was that naive, how did he speak English? I'm thinking, shouldn't he have been speaking? Well, they were speaking English in the Zamunda, which wasn't yeah, a real place. Which is probably not, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. But um, is that the, t- when else has James Earl do- Jones done comedy? He's funny in Field of Dreams, but it's not, it's unintentional funny. And that was later. And that was a year later. So how did you like his love interest? Um, she was So cool. Lisa. Yeah. yeah, Lisa. I love that name. Lisa. <laughs> um, she was cool. He did like he didn't have a love interest in Zimbabwe. Well, the one well, queen. Well, was getting set up. But she was dumb. But yeah. she kind of looks like. Well, her. she was. A, they're almost like certain indentured servants. Yeah, like right. That. And it was like I could see why that'd be boring. Yeah. But um, no, she was cool. But she was like, I'm really you're dating that kind of a d bag. What does that say about you? Yeah. That Eric, whatever. Where I love the part where they get up off the couch and there's all this grease. Yeah. <laughs> so those those are your favorite scenes where basically you. The barbershop the, scenes are probably my favorite. Those the way are they're like, like a Muhammad Ali. If a man <laughs> wants to change his name to whatever and blah blah blah. Play, yeah, and then it reminds me of like almost something else that was like reminds me of like the dad in Friday. Yeah, like, kind of the way he talked. John Witherspoon. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like uh, if a man the way he talked. Yeah, but Eddie Murphy going undercover as a white guy. He yeah. did that in, in, in Saturday, Saturday Night Live. Night Live. That That's was right. hilarious. That yeah, was Mr. Actually, white. <laughs> yes, that was pretty good because that was the first time like they actually did prosthetics to yeah. change how he looked. Mm-hmm. Normally they would just. Like, well, I think that's probably where he got the inspiration for these scenes. Be- yeah. yeah. Oh right, you're right, right. So, and then uh, the women in the bar scene, where she's oh, like, yeah. I'm Joan of Arc from yeah. blah, blah, blah. Anyway. No, um, what? Did you not like Lisa from... She, no, she was good. I thought she was a good character. Yeah. Like I, yeah. She wasn't... Uh, her sister was kind of like the typical little kid sister. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I it, that part was good. I'm trying to think if I remember everything correctly. Was mm-hmm. there any major what crescendo of that? Like, what happened? I well, know... Well, without giving it away, they basically... You know, she eventually finds out that yeah, he really is a not, prince. I'm drawing a blank on how does she find out? Well, they they come and visit. Oh, his family. Then. Yeah, because they try to hide it or no? Well, yeah, because he, he was taking too long. And then I think, and then Simi, Arsenio Hall had yeah. sent a note because he was getting fed up uh, about of, living, of in living in poverty. In hood, yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> but then remember, he bought a hot tub to put into yes, the bar. Yes, <laughs> that part was awesome. Yeah. And I remember that one part where he, they're out somewhere and this guy starts to pray to him because he realizes who he is. He goes, I don't They're at the Knicks game. Right, yeah. right. So what is, I gotta now watch that again because I'm yeah. like, it, that one. And her dad down. is so excited though. He's all, cha-ching. Yeah, exactly. He just wanted money. Shit. Well, you remember who else is in the movie? Samuel Jackson. He plays the the criminal who, or the guy who's trying to uh, stick up the place. And then, oh, I missed that. You know what? There was another and movie. And Cuba Gooding Jr. is in the barbershop. Oh, my God. See? It. See, you know what? This is why I get rewatched. Yeah. I think the cab driver was somebody that I know when he picks him up. Oh, yeah. It was court. Jake Steinfeld. Remember Body by Jake? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can All you right. sing the Soul Glow song? No, but I remember the sexual chocolate. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> That's another great scene. That yeah. is like, the, that is like. Sexual oh. chocolate. And he's just singing, he's like singing anything. It's like, and I'm showing up to your house. And I got, I, what is the song he's even singing? Like, well, no, Eddie Murphy loved to sing. And so. Well, like, yeah, yeah. My girl likes to party. Oh, my right. God. Party all the time. So yeah. It's, uh, dude, that, was his brother in that? No. Eddie Murphy's brother? I don't you know think so. who's brother. Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy. He died. <laughs> I oh, know. Mona, silent. Okay, that's silent. Um, <laughs> Which is bad for podcasting. Is well, yeah. Well, I can't really. I'm not really. I'm not. Yeah, a, I'm not somebody the... you want to put on a speakerphone <laughs> if you're a mixed company. I'm not someone who is appropriate. Which, if you have children, you're going to have that talk with them early. So you're mind. the one that would be yelling out in the middle of the street, like, 
Yeah, I love, and then people tell you to fuck right, off. Right, yeah. totally. I'd be well. Actually, you know, it's funny. They say it's like you're in the big city and you're being attacked. You never scream that you're being attacked. You scream no. fire. Yeah, because people are selfish pricks. That's right. So they only care about getting out. Or you can scream, Freddie or Jason. Boy. See, this is why I have you on. We, we can go so off beat. I know. Yeah. Do people just don't want to know? I wish we could have callers. Please call in and tell us if you are tired of our shit. <laughs> They are because they continue to download when you're on. So oh sweet. Yeah. So anyway, uh, thank you for coming to this podcast. Then, oh no. Why? What did they have a theme song to that movie? To the freaking coming to America. What was the theme? I keep getting it confused with James Brown. You're thinking of living in America. Wait, what was that for? That what? was Rocky Four. It was. Oh, yeah. Come on. He was the one that he's singing before Apollo got killed by the by the Russian. Oh, that's so sad. So sad. Let me, I'm looking at Didn't So I, there is, it was written by Nile Rogers, who was in Shea. Oh, yeah. And it was called, yeah. That guy. But it that. wasn't a super popular Nothing. song. No. DeBarge is in this. Well, anytime Eddie Murphy can sing, he loves it. My girl wants to party all the time. <laughs> Have you seen the video to that? Of course, it's awful. Dude. That. And uh, Rick James is in it. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. Which is how he knew Charlie Murphy. Yeah, that story was great. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, as always, thank you, Sarah. Yes, you're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, welcome back. We're talking to Sonny Pooney from the Grown Up Rock Podcast and Podcast Rock City. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, good to be here, dude. I am a huge Eddie Murphy fan. Huge. <laughs> well, that that was going to be my first question. What was what was your introduction to Eddie Murphy? I'm assuming you saw a film prior to coming to America. Uh yeah. So I I remember the Beverly Hills Cop films. Okay. I remember um, the. 48-hour films. Okay. And I'd already seen Raw. Oh, right. And right. Delirious. So, so I was already an Eddie Murphy fan. So anytime that, especially when it got to rentals, anytime that I would see Eddie Murphy on, you know, I watched Norbit. I watched them all, like some of those really bad ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, what was the Vampire Brooklyn? Or oh, God. oh, God, that yeah. was so bad. Um, <laughs> so I've seen them all, but... Uh, Anytime that there was something to see, I would go watch it. But yeah, I had, I was already a Murphy fan before this movie came out. Right. So of his classics, and I'm going to say 48 Hours, Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop, where do you think Coming to America ranks in those? Okay, if I had to take those three, I would go 48 Hours would be number one. Really? Beverly Hills Cop would be two. Mm-hmm. Trading Places would be three, and this would be four. Okay, did you see Golden Child? Because that's right around you know your high school years. Love it mm. because that rat song was in it. Right, <laughs> that's right? true. Yeah, so love it, love it, love it. But like, if I had to rank that one with these, it'd be number five. Oh, of because course. I didn't think the storyline on all that it was a little funky. Yeah, yeah. So this was the film that kind of really set the template for Eddie to eventually play multiple roles in films. I mean, using the heavy makeup and costumes. So in Coming to America, what's your favorite side character that him or Arsenio played uh, in the film? So for Eddie Murphy, it's definitely Randy Watson. (laughs) Sexual chocolate. (laughs) There is absolutely no doubt. You know, I liked all the characters that he plays, but really Randy Watson is the guy. And then Arsenio Hall. Dude, it has to be Reverend Brown. I love the Lowen. (laughs) I love the Lowen. Oh, my God, dude. Every time Reverend Brown would just be saying something. It would just, I would, I would start concentrating on him instead of, and there's times where he's saying stuff in the back scenery kind of, right. and I could still hear him over what was going on. I think people forget if they, if they only know Arsenio from the talk show, uh, this was really kind of his breakout role, especially in films. 
this is, I think this is pretty much my introduction to Arsenio. Right. And I didn't realize, I'm like, well, he's playing a bunch of different parts. Who is this dude? Like, <laughs> why does Eddie let him do all this? But they work so well together. They have a nice rapport. Arsenio and Eddie, uh, even when he was on Arsenio's show, mm-hmm. they did well. They've always worked well together. I loved uh, Harlem Knights. They mm-hmm. worked well together. Um, and then, believe it or not, Arsenio and Prince really worked well mm. together, too. Yeah, I don't think Arsenio gets enough credit. I think he's always, con- you know, like, people consider him like the second banana. But really, you need kind of that yin and yang because not everyone can be Eddie Murphy. Yeah, yeah. And you got to have a – and I get it. He's a sidekick. He's always going to be seen as a sidekick. Right. So then, you know, you get stuff like, well, he's just riding Eddie Murphy's coattails. Well, he's bringing something because – what he's doing is not easily done. No, he's setting Eddie up for a lot of stuff as well, and vice versa. Yeah, and I don't think Arsenio was never a stand-up comic, so I don't think he ever made his money on stage, right? I don't. Yeah, I have to look that up, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll have to check that out. Um, and, and it's it's a shame. Speaking of stand-up, I, I think everyone wishes Eddie had continued to stand-up, but he he just stopped. He wasn't like Richard Pryor, where Pryor kept doing his his stand up even when he was in film. But Eddie stopped. I mean, I mean, today he probably couldn't get away with with any of the stuff he gets away with. But uh, yeah, do you wish he had come back and been a, a stand up comedian uh, further? No, I, I think I want my stand up comedians to take the film or TV route because I get more of them. Okay, right, and you get different stuff, and it puts them in different situations. So, like even to this day, if Seinfeld plays somewhere, we go see him. Right? Mm-hmm. But reality is, I love the show more than I love his stand-up. Well, yeah, I always thought his the worst part of the the show was the intro with his stand-up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just like, okay, why are you doing this? But I well, get it, it, right, it was right, a, almost a commercial to himself. And then um, I think Chris Rock is one where I, I just don't think his movie career ever really took off, so he kind of had to go back to stand-up. Yeah, he didn't uh, pull it off that well, to be honest, right? Like even Martin Lawrence, he had sure. some movies that did okay. But he was never Eddie Murphy level there. And same with Dave Chappelle. Yeah, yeah, same deal. And Chappelle ended up playing a lot of sidekick roles, right? So He, he did, and he ate a very successful show, and then he kind of melted down. So Yeah, 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 yeah. And, <laughs> like, Arsenio in this, he's basically Eddie Haskell in this thing. Yeah, definitely. Right? He's playing that role, which he played that role really well. Yeah, yeah. So of your, like, elder characters, whether it be James Earl Jones or John Amos, who, who, I mean— you can love them both equally, but I think they were so perfectly cast in this film. Yeah, I thought uh, Amos did really well, and I love that he went from kind of this ass kicking, ass kissing guy, right, to like you say anything else about my daughter, I, we're gonna go down right here, yeah, right, like to protect her, which was really, and I love good times, so Amos, Amos is always gonna win there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, playing the king, yeah, I think James Earl Jones. He almost didn't even like people in the movie, no. right? Like you're the leader of these people. You don't actually like these people. Like feel the dreams, you know, where he's just yeah. like that, that shut and he hates everyone, but he's really got it kind of a heart of gold. And, and the same thing happened in this one. He just, that voice commands a presence, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, he plays some funny parts. Like when he asks about, do you have sex with your bathers? I do. Right, it's yeah. just like to see an older guy that's supposed to be a serious actor do something like that. I think it's awesome. Right, and he's he's just he's known so much for the voice, but his ex- his facial expressions are brilliant. Yeah, and I thought he did. They put him in the movie appropriately. Yeah, right? they gave him enough parts, 
but not too many. And you do have to have this because this story is a little bit fish out of water, right? And then you got the whole overlay about we're going to break tradition and be different and I'm going to be a different leader. But you do have to have the parents that go, wait a second, you can't just change tradition. It doesn't work like that. No, no. And I thought he, he did that appropriately. What are some of your favorite lines and scenes? And I'm, I'm assuming you already did the sexual chocolate one, but uh, just r- rattle them off. Where are oh your greatest God. hits? Okay, so one is Oha singing acapella. <laughs> okay, right. so I actually wrote down the words just in case you don't know. Okay, okay. so what he sings is, she's your queen to be, a queen to be forever. A queen who'll do whatever his highness desires. She's your queen to be, a vision of perfection an object of your affection to quench your royal fire, completely free of infection to be yours at your discretion, waiting only for your direction. She's your queen to be. I'm like, okay, first of all, he didn't hit all the right notes, but that was awesome. <laughs> I, I um, mean, you, you have kissed Paul Stanley. Could, those are Paul Stanley lyrics. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I love the, you know, my friend circle, uh, absolutely use the, Fuck you, and fuck you, and fuck you, <laughs> right? Like, we use that all the time. Um, all the barbershop scenes are amazing. Yeah, yep. Um, the the whole uh, at the basketball game where Daryl's being a complete asshole. Right. Right, but, uh, and then he runs into somebody that knows him. <laughs> the love story, I could, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, it has to be there, you know. The Dukes coming back in and making that connection, I thought was a good idea. And Definitely. I like it when movies do that, especially some of my favorite like comedic actors do that a lot, which, uh, it just kind of, it's a nod to the past kind of thing. So, yeah. Total wink, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's tons of scenes in this movie that I absolutely love. Can you hit the high note in the soul glow jingle? And I don't, if you can't, can you do your best for the audience now? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, oh, the no, I can't do that. You did that. I, hey, that's, <laughs> I'm giving you a nine out of 10. That was way better than I thought. <laughs> My voice would have cracked shut after that. One. <laughs> I oh, do okay. Reverend Brown better probably. Okay. Okay. But no, oh, we, we used to try doing the soul glow every time, you know, it is so funny. It is so <laughs> over the top and obnoxious, but it's so great. Dude, when they leave that Jerry curl juice on the sofa, <laughs> on the couch. that is yeah. so nasty. So nasty. It's so up the times, though. That's what's so great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I still haven't seen the sequel. I'm not interested, honestly, since it, you know so much time has passed. Did you Did you see it on Amazon? I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen it twice. I won't tell you it was as good as Maverick. Okay. But I will tell you they did a good job with it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, they. This is not Bill and Ted coming back. Okay. It's, this is they did a good job, and I think. Eddie did the same thing here that Tom Cruise did. It's like, you got to re- rewrite that. That That's not going to work. That's too cheesy. Mm-hmm. You got to rewrite that. You got to rewrite that. So they did a good job with, it's almost like they took part of Black Panther and kind of try to add it too, right? It's not the storyline or anything, but it's got that feel a little bit of uh, this is a movie made for the times and, you know, inclusion and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's not as bad as you might think it would be. So if I understood correctly, it's most of it's in Zamunda. Yeah, there is a good piece of it there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, would you consider this the last great Eddie Murphy film? Ooh, I, I liked the last Beverly Hills Cop and it was after this one. 
I you like the th- oh, oh, you mean the second one or the third one? The third one. Really, the, the one, one too. Wow, because most people hate that one. I don't. I don't mind it. There's kind of nostalgic because uh, it was filmed at Great America in Santa Clara. But uh, yeah, that's it. Wow, because uh, there's supposed to be a fourth one coming out. Yeah, so I, I didn't mind that one. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to compare this to like Pluto Nash and Norbit and some of that, yeah, this uh, this pretty good compared to some of that crap <laughs> he did later. I don't know. I think he. After writing, you know, this movie and helping produce it, it's like, did he try to write his own stuff and that's what did him in or what did him in? I, maybe his britches got too big. I mean, you think about what is it? I mean, we named those three classics and then he does this. I mean, this yeah. is arguably the biggest of them all. I mean, he probably thinks he can't go wrong <laughs> after this. And, uh, you know, Boomerang wasn't that bad. Um, oh, I like Boomerang. That was right. Yeah. And obviously, Nutty Professor did really well, even though that's a remake. But, um, you know, I would argue that Nutty Professor was probably, you know, up there. But um, I still think Coming to America was, like, maybe his pinnacle in some ways. I don't know. Like, Dolomite? It was okay. It was Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. But uh, it's not going to – I don't know. He just kind of lost whatever it was. And this happens, right? You start writing stuff yourself. You start doing stuff yourself. And you – kind of forget that somebody else's touch on it just makes it that much better when you have a bunch of yes people who are yeah. you know they don't want to lose their their golden egg and uh, i know john landis was saying that eddie was difficult at the time but that's coming from his perspective and john landis directed this so um yeah i don't know i maybe just his ego went to his head i don't yeah because well, uh a lot of people like bowfinger too so oh i didn't think that was that bad either um mm-hmm. Eddie said the same thing about uh, what was his name again? Landis, right? Landis. Yeah, he didn't like it. Landis, but he didn't like it, you know. right? Because and yeah. Eddie's kind of right. It's like, okay, well, you knew me in '82. Now you know me in '88 or '89. Do I, do you know what has happened to me the last five to seven years, dude? I'm the biggest right. actor slash comedian on the planet right now, and you're Absolutely. treating me the same. Well, kind of the roles got reversed because at the time, in the early days, Landis was the high writing uh, director, and he had come off with – he had gotten a lot of trouble because of the Twilight Zone disaster. He was part of the the accident that killed an actor and and, uh, some extras. So – Eddie's perspective was, well, I'm I'm giving you a break here because I'm kind of like, this is your comeback almost. And uh, so, yeah, I get both sides, actually. Yeah, and I thought, oh, so the Samuel L. Jackson scene. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So think about this. That scene makes zero sense unless they have the fighting scene at the beginning with him and Arsenio kind of working out. Unless they have that scene, the Samuel Jackson scene, it's like, okay, all of a sudden he's a superhero? Like, what, what the hell happened? How does he know all this stuff? That's always fun to see actors that go on to be really well known, especially like a somewhat early role for him. Yeah, I'm surprised that like Sherry Heatley, I don't remember seeing her in anything else. Do you remember seeing no, her in anything else? Not at all. And, and so how did you feel about her character? Do you think they should have got a different actress? I thought she was fine, but, you know, maybe somebody better known? Uh, no, I think because you got to be the part she's playing. She's got to be somewhat cutesy, right? Right. She's got to come off educated. And she's got to be, she's got to be able to be enamored by somebody too. So it's kind of an mm-hmm. odd character. I thought she played it well. I the par- problem I had was, I didn't think that his setup wife. What was his her name again? Oh yes, I forget too. But yes, mm-hmm. um, she wasn't that hot to me. I thought Sheila Johnson, the the secretary, the stand-in or whatever she's called, um, she was much hotter. 
So I, I thought those revolt roles should have been reversed a little bit. Yeah. This whole yeah. arranged marriage thing made complete sense to me. I come from the same culture that there's all kinds of arranged marriages in Africa, India, hell, it happens all over Asia, to be honest. Right. Which is, it's always fascinating to people that are, you know, from the, from the United States. So that, yeah, it's, and it's, it still goes on, doesn't it? Yeah. If, in real, uh, if you're really traditional to the, mm-hmm. uh, I guess to the past, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it still happens a lot and there's a lot of bartering that happens. So, so-and-so present, presents their daughter and gives X amount of money and five goats and whatever. Right. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's a little weird. But it's a little, I mean, think how hard it is to get married to somebody that you've known, you've dated, you've right. you lived together for a while, blah, 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 been friends or whatever, to somebody you completely, like, just met at a bar. That's kind of odd, but somehow I guess people, my parents made it work for forever, so I guess it works at some point. Well, you know, kind of unofficially, if you come from a, a even, a, you know, here, uh, let's say, um you know, you're a politician, a career politician, you, you're famous. Like if you're the Kennedys, they probably kind of have arranged marriages. It's just not called an arranged marriage, but they kind of, you know, you're not going to marry the barmaid <laughs> or something like that. Um, but they, they kind of set it up to where they could marry someone that is equally a powerful family. They just don't call it an arranged marriage. Because if they don't, they end up with the jacked up royal family thing right now. Exactly. Yeah. You're Meghan Markle. That's what happens when you don't do that. That's right. That is exactly right. So, well, thank you, Sonny, for doing this. And it's always a great time having you on. Oh, I, I love talking about movies that I absolutely love. That's for sure. Thanks again. If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video and San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday, and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Captain Video. Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.